Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Bad Taste and The Frighteners. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> they call me Chief Dangly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that is a reference to. Me neither, and I'm definitely sorry I asked that silly question. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to make a fun little joke, and everything went bad. <laughs> so I'm assuming you're feeling better. Oh, so much better. <clears throat> still not, still not a hundred percent, but way better. Not you would die, so the pain would be over. Oof, man! I'll I'll tell you what. There were a couple days there where. <laughs> I, it, it, it was bad enough that I was sitting there going, do I need to go to the fucking hospital right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not sure if I need to go to the hospital or not. Uh, so you got tested. is for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. was the Rona. Yeah, 100% Rona. Now, are you sure? Because I checked with Facebook, and according to Facebook... Some of the doctors are just saying it's Corona and it's actually just a normal flu. And that's why flu cases are down this year. So. Yeah. The people on Facebook. So some guy I went to high school with posted. It was actually just a a guy that I went to high school with that posted that on a comment. Or a guy I know from high school. Somebody commented on his post saying that. So (laughs) it's pretty reliable. I mean. I saw one of those, and I asked him if they thought maybe the reason why flu cases are down this year is because of all the imposed social distancing and mask wearing (laughs) that that everyone's doing this year because of Corona. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, I got the response of masks don't do anything. And I was like, okay, well, it just sucks fucking being king of retard island like it's it's so funny because it's like they almost get there they're like oh everyone's stuck at home and now we don't get the flu and i'm like keep going the flu is not as contagious as coronavirus so these measures are actually preventing the flu it's working (laughs) demonstrating that it stopped uh you're not no you're not gonna take that extra step eh? well somebody on someone else's post that i commented on uh said that he had corona and that the flu was worse. So oh. Noah, can you confirm or deny that the <laughs> flu is worse than having Corona? 
Well, so so here's the thing. I don't I don't necessarily doubt that that person was lying because for some people, it's it's not worse. For me, yeah. it was a lot fucking worse than the flu. <laughs> A lot worse. I I would say I was the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. I've never been. Yeah. Now now Shar Shar got pretty sick, but she didn't. I don't. Well, she, but she had different symptoms. That's the whole weird. That's the weirdness about this disease. Her experience with Rona was completely different. Yeah. You know, she was getting like headaches and nosebleeds and stuff like that. While I was going into like gut wrenching coughing fits that would like take me to my knees um so she got the scanners version of the rona right and you just got the regular version yeah i i will say this that uh so uh, along with my horrible coughing fits i got uh god awful uh uh diarrhea awesome it's, to to the point of like the uh i don't even know how to describe it like I, I completely lost control of the insides of my body. <laughs> and if you, and if the, you, uh, I should have bought a shit ton of Gatorade before all this started type of diarrhea. I, I, yeah, no, I, I literally had to call Walmart and pay $20 for delivery to get like three cases of Gatorade sent to my house. But, <laughs> but if you, if you combine, uh, liquid burning incontinent diarrhea with uncontrollable psychotic fits of coughing uh what you get <laughs> is a grown man in constant danger of shitting his own pants <laughs> like 24 hours a day i don't think i've 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 had you know I think we've all been sick enough where something happened where, you know, maybe you needed to throw up and all of a sudden you were like, oh, diarrhea and vomit are coming at the yep. same time. I hope that trash can is next to the toilet because yep. otherwise I have a uh, decision. <laughs> I get really bad food poisoning once and that happened to me. Right. Right. And, and, and I've had that. I've had that before, but I've never had it to where it's a constant threat looming above my head. <laughs> like, <laughs> like every second of every day, like this could be the moment. This could be the moment where I cough and poop my pants. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Well, it's good, good to have you back though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was, it was really, really bad. The the coughs that like I had were some otherworldly thing. I it's impossible to describe because you know you tell people why well, I had coughing fits and they're like, yeah, but that's just coughing and it's like, yeah, but it's not. It's not what you think it is. <laughs> it's it's like coughing and retching and like being unable to breathe. Yeah, coughing so much you're like spitting up blood pretty much yeah yeah i was I, I never had blood come up but i would have like foam like mucusy foam like i was rabid come out of me <laughs> from coughing well it's sad we had to put noah down yeah <laughs> yeah i just i just about got old yellered <laughs> and in the worst thing it was like 
every fucking thing triggered the coughing. If I was laying on the couch, not moving, and just breathing very gently, fine, perfectly fine. And I would sit there and I'd be like, you know what? I feel a lot better. I think I'm going to go grab a glass of water. And then I would sit up and be like, <laughs> just like right back to it and be like, oh, nope, I was wrong. It was wrong. It was, it was the complete motionlessness that was preventing me from hacking my lungs out. So let's just go back to complete motionlessness. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, I guess it's good that's over with. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like I said, I feel a lot better. I still I still feel like uh I don't know, off. I can't really describe it. I don't necessarily feel sick anymore, but I still feel like there's something wrong with me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it feels like my lungs are permanently coated in goo that will never go away. I don't could possibly be true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I suppose I could probably have a bunch of scar tissue or something, but Do you have to go back for like testing to find out if there's permanent damage of any kind? Well, I don't know. I don't know. My doctor might want to, but my doctor doesn't want to take regular doctor visits right now because they're trying to keep the corona from getting into the office. <laughs> so not an unreasonable goal, I suppose. Yeah. Right. A weird situation to be in. It's like, well, I need my doctor to kind of check me out, but if my doctor checked me out, he might get the Rona and then give it to all of his patients. What the fuck right, do I right. do? Yeah, well, I, do, I had friends with somebody on Facebook the, who... The mucus foam. Thought, yeah. No, go ahead, man. Um, so I knew somebody on Facebook who thought he had it towards the beginning of this whole situation. Feels like five years ago. And uh, he wasn't sure. He didn't get tested. But he said it was like the the most sick he had ever been in his entire life. And it felt that way for like five weeks. Yeah, that, that's it's probably the Rona. It's pretty bad. Like I said, I the, the first time I hacked up the phone and stuff, I called my doctor. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And basically what my doctor told me is he goes, you can go to the emergency room and he goes, but I'll be hundred percent honest. He goes, if you go to the emergency room, you might just catch something else. And, and then you're going to be worse. And he said, so stay home, take Tylenol <laughs> and just try to be careful. And he said, every once in a while, get up and move around. And if you can't make it across the room, that means you're, so sick you need to go to the emergency room and i was like that is dire that is dire and weird when the when the bar is when you could no longer functionally make it across the single room that means go to the hospital it's yeah tons of fun well it sounds like a great time sounds like can, you enjoyed yourself can i just tell you guys something just yeah. for the purposes of changing this subject sure but, uh, my cousin's kid got uh, chased inside from recess today because a moose jumped into the schoolyard and all the kids got kind of run inside See? the schoolyard. See, you think I'm making shit up. <laughs> I have no reason to tell you guys other than that, but I'm sick of talking about coronavirus. So. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what. That's pretty dope. That's pretty funny, isn't I'm- it? I mean, I'm glad uh, nobody was hurt, right? Because that's the important thing. I have no idea. 
As long as no children's were hurt, a moose jumping a fence into like, I don't know. That's that's delightful. Because as long as it wasn't the moose from Kevin Smith's Moose Jaws. I was gonna say because moose are so big, they're just so fucking big, man. Very very big, yeah. It's just such a big fucking animal. You ever seen the video of the guy that has like two male moose, like headbutting each other in his front yard? <laughs> Yeah, I just I just remember looking at it, being like, "What the fuck do you do? You do nothing. You stay out of their way. That's their yard now. You let them fight it it out, and the winner gets the yard." I was gonna say, you take a short video of it and you send it to your boss, and you say, "I can't make it into work today." (laughs) No, (laughs) there's there are moose fighting in my yard, (laughs) and not could I not physically make it past these moose, but why would I? <laughs> there is a moose battle occurring here. Right? See, that's that's the beauty of the cell phone age, is at least now your boss doesn't think you're making that up. You can actually prove it. <laughs> I'm sure it happened to people before, and they're just like, no, seriously, moose in the front yard. He's like, I don't believe you. like no seriously they they just butted heads and it sounded like thunder outside (laughs) (sighs) well good times yeah no uh i mean attack the school but it didn't didn't fuck up your internet so it's plus thank goodness well it's yeah school's quite a ways (laughs) um you missed it, Noah. We talked about Ricky Schroeder being a giant douchebag last last episode. Well, bring that up again. I was just <laughs> trying to cheer everybody up. <laughs> no, because, you're such a downer lately, Brian. <laughs> because now apparently he got people said mean things about him on the internet due to it, and he called the cops and had them come over to look at it. And the cops are just like, "Well, people are sorry." Isn't it amazing that like the people who are so concerned with like their individual rights to bear arms and shit and then you type something mean about them on the internet and they go crying about it it's like don't people have a right to say whatever the fuck they want but it was mean doug it was mean well said he felt threatened but apparently the police shrugged and like well they didn't say they're gonna kill you so we can't do anything about it feel as threatened as you want if they didn't threaten you then it's not really anything so (laughs) Maybe, maybe I don't know. You should quit being such a dumb bitch, Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> After we said all those nice <laughs> things about you last time, oh, it's, <sighs> fine. it's fine. You separate the art from the artist, and we complimented yeah. his acting that one time. We did not compliment him as a person. I have a hard time doing that anymore. Like, I mean, there's I, a lot of those people. What's what's her face? The uh, the dumb MMA chick who's on Mandalorian and uh, Gina Carino. Yeah, Gina Carino. I just yeah. she's she's one of those people, but I want to like her so much, and she just needs to shut the fuck up. I've like just, I've seen headlines. And I've just I've just chosen not to click those headlines. I'm like I like the Mandalorian too much. I don't want to read anything negative <laughs> about those people. She's she's basically. A, crazy trump person that does nothing but retweet crazy oan and QAnon conspiracy memes all right yeah she's, she's one of those people and you it, and you're like i don't 
I don't even care that you believe those things. I just need you to shut the fuck up so that I can pretend that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when I found out that Chris Jericho uh, donated to Trump's re-election campaign, the the couple of times I've seen him on TV since since I found that out, he's been way less enjoyable, which is a bummer. Right. Like, I, it, like, I would just rather it, not know. It just like sucks the air out of the room where you're like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> uh, but you know what doesn't suck the air out of the room? Well, it's not this podcast. This podcast definitely Weird. does. <laughs> Weird aliens hunting humans <laughs> for their fast food restaurant. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it's a segue somehow, but so, so Doug picked, uh, Peter Jackson movies for this week. Yep. Was it said you want to get away from Corona? So you wanted to go to New Zealand where pretty much Corona has been eradicated. Sure. Also, I randomly selected movies from the list and then had to come up with a segue. <laughs> That's where I ended up. Fair enough. Oh, I'll be honest. I forgot that Peter Jackson had fucking anything to do with the Frighteners. And whenever I sat down to watch the movies, I was like, who fucking paired these movies? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. It turns out he had something to do with the Frighteners, such as the writing and the directing and cameoing. Well, first, why don't we... uh... Why don't we go back in time and have Noah tell us about Bad Taste? Because from what I remember, you're a big fan of this movie. Fuck yeah. Uh, So Bad Taste is about a group of super secret Kiwi agents called The Boys uh, who are sent out to deal with potential extraterrestrial threats. And it turns out that uh, aliens have descended on a small New Zealand town in order to uh, abduct people for their meats uh, to be delivered to space McDonald's, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this group of people just has to, like, handle that situation, and they handle it by going berserk and fucking just waging all-out cartoonish war against <laughs> the aliens. <laughs> Emphasis uh, on cartoonish. Yes. Yeah. I don't... It's... it's my love of this movie is so fucking hard to explain to people who don't understand my <laughs> like Aww. my love of trash. You know what I mean? Because so this movie's not a good movie, right? <laughs> but it's fucking amazing from the lens of this is just like a group of five people who were like let's make a fucking movie. And they just started shooting a movie on the weekends and then somehow got the government of New Zealand to pay for the end of the movie. (laughs) Yep. That's what happens in cool countries. The government just comes in and gives you money. Right. Right. The, The best thing is they knew full well what it was too. That's the craziest part of this story that they showed them what they had made so far. And in, in the Queensland Film Commission looked at it and went, oh, yeah, this this needs to happen. Sure. Keep in mind the Canadian government financed all David Cronenberg's early work. <laughs> so I know exactly where that Kiwi government's coming from. Also, also true. Yeah, I, I would say the hardest, 
the hardest part about this movie is the the like there is no structure to the plot of the movie. No. There's well, yeah, the, there's the, like no arc to it. It's just things happening. Yeah, sure. Which makes it, sense because apparently there was no real script. Like oh, Peter Jackson, not. Peter Jackson would make up shit that they wanted to film like during the week, and then they would shoot it on the weekend. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. And and Peter Jackson's character Derek, who towards the beginning of the movie falls and has a uh, a, a rather perfect shaped wedge broken out of his skull, <laughs> spends the, spends a significant portion of this movie like cramming his brain back into his skull and finding various ways to hold his skull in place so that he can continue to wage his war against the aliens. <laughs> My favorite is when he just puts a hat on and then it falls off and his, his brain just comes spilling back out. <laughs> I mean, the, the, my favorite part is the part where he like kills someone and there's a big chunk of their brain sitting there and he's like, hmm, more brain has to be better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I complain about that. He just shoved it in there and squeezed it back in. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, I was, uh, I was just going to say, there's just so much, the bones, the bones of the movie are, you can, I think if you were to be running a film festival and somebody sent this in, first of all, this movie would go into your film festival. And second of all, I think most people would be able to look at it and go, I think this person might be a genius. <laughs> they just don't know what they're doing yet, if that makes sense. I definitely feel like this movie having like I'm watching it for the first time now and it's like oh you can really see like especially if you think of like Peter Jackson's movies like Dead Alive and stuff and you think about those movies and you're like oh well yeah you can see him working on that here this is like his practice run before he was able to perfect what he was doing and you can see that like you know whoever's doing these special effects is working with what they got and they're doing a really good job and it's like oh when they get some money and a little bit of experience under their belts these guys are going to do something great and we already know that that is the result but it's really interesting to watch right yeah because because the visuals like while the movie's obviously not just low budget it's like other other level low budget the visuals are all great just taken on their own and the humor, even though it's kind of, I I, I don't snicker fuck toilet humor. This <laughs> like no no, I'm not letting you get away with that. You're gonna have to come up with better terminology so that everyone knows what you mean. Just get right. something that we at least understand, <laughs> right? But but that's what it is. But even then, the timing on some of the jokes and stuff it's so fucking impeccable that it's still fucking hilarious i've seen this movie so many times and i still fucking laugh out loud at a bunch of the jokes and they're so dumb that's that's it's almost <laughs> infuriating that you're like that's so fucking dumb but it's it, that joke just lands so hard Every fucking time, the dude, the dude drinking the weird pistachio vomit punch bowl, 
and, and you're it's just like getting more and more nervous as it's coming toward him and then like he tastes it and he's like mm. <laughs> 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 it kind of like goes back in for more that's such a fucking great joke it just really is that is funny i have a feeling that the jokes are funnier too if you know more about um New Zealand culture because there's some references to like government officials and stuff. And, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that means. It might be funny. I don't, you know, like it's just one of those things where you're like a little too far removed from the typing. Right. But you know, you can tell that, like you say, the timing and stuff is all there, which is, it's just that raw talent that Peter Jackson obviously has. Right. Okay. And like they're driving a car that for no fucking reason has been modified so that the driver stands in the back of the car and there's a second level with a second windshield to look out of. Don't know while, why. While they have a cardboard cutout of the Beatles' <laughs> Lonely Hearts Club <laughs> band <laughs> fucking jammed I, into the normal front window. On, like like somehow truth, that would confuse the enemy. <laughs> honest truth, I totally rewound it looking for the line of dialogue I missed that explained why that was happening. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can't, I'm starting to think maybe this is for no reason. <laughs> like, trying to find it. <laughs> like, did they, were those there the whole time? What is going on? <laughs> uh, so I will say, uh, we've sort of already talked about it, but I mean, the structure is just, is, <laughs> is what it is. Whatever. Yeah. But I was super impressed with the special effects. That's the one thing that I don't think anybody could possibly complain about. No. Considering uh, I read that uh, he made all of those masks sitting at his mom's dinner table. Like, right. If So, you know how all of the, uh, the aliens' heads kind of slope back? Mm-hmm. So apparently that was not the design they were going for. Like there was, it was supposed to be a tall thing, but those latex um, masks that they were making, they had to cook off the foam in an oven (laughs) and they were doing it in their literal kitchen oven, which was not big enough with all the racks pulled out. So it, it misformed them to slope them back like that. And they were like, Okay, well, the aliens just walk with this weird posture. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, there's some pretty good use of miniature work in this, too, which I was shocked by. Yeah, like, you can can Uh, pick out the miniatures, but for a low-budget film like this, it's really well done. Yeah. Right, and there's a few pretty (laughs) fake explosions. Yep. I'm assuming that's that mm-hmm. Queensland film. So I was shocked by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was shot like in order, and oh. uh, and you, I feel like there's definitely an uptick towards the end, and you're like, oh, that's when the money came in. You can tell. Yeah, it's like I didn't, I didn't, I don't research things, so I'm just learning all this about the, uh, you know, the way it was made from you guys. And it's like, it makes complete sense though. Cause the beginning of the movie is literally like just guys walking around wearing what appears to be their normal everyday clothes. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, they're in outer space now. How'd that happen? We went there real quick. <laughs> yeah. This movie, it, it took them something like three, I think three years to shoot the entire movie because they were basically just shooting it on the weekends. Uh, it says four on IMDb, but yeah. 
Yeah, th- that that might be right. Um, but it took a real long time, and yeah. so they were having all these issues with like continuity because they had to make sure people were wearing the same outfit and that their hair looked the same and all that kind of stuff over the course of four fucking years. <laughs> Jesus. And the funny thing I read is uh, the guy that's like the uh, uh, what the fuck is it? The collector pretends he's a priest and he's going to walk around and get donations or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Who gets cap- captured by the aliens and then is <laughs> put it put into a barrel with a bunch of uh, vegetables <laughs> to you know soak. That is the um, blend of secret spices. That's right. <laughs> so apparently, that guy, while they were making the movie, got married. And his wife was pissed off that he was spending his weekends doing this and not going to church on Sundays. So they wrote him out of the movie, which is why he disappears for a long time. And then towards the end of the film, he got divorced, which is why he suddenly shows back up again. That's amazing. I love it. I thought it was just, you know. It's only I just figured on a low budget film like this, it's like you film whoever can show up that day. <laughs> Which I mean is kind of the same story, but <laughs> and and once again, I I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is something fucking magical about that part of the world in filmmaking. I don't know what it is, but just everything's fucking gold. Everything out of New Zealand and Australia is just I don't better. I don't know why it's better. I don't know how it's better, but they can take any shit idea and any low budget crap film crew imaginable, and they crank out some fucking piece of gold. <laughs> well, I definitely think part of it is the the sense of humor from that part of the world. I think really appeals to an audience of us. You know. Um, there's just something about the way it's like it's like intelligent toilet humor for lack of a better term (laughs) like there's there's something smarter about it even though it is really dumb jokes with gore stuff and everything in it like you know i don't know how to put it like that guy shoving that extra piece of brain into his head there's something about that where you have to take a second and stop and think and go why would he want to do that oh right he's trying to make himself smarter by giving himself more brain but yet it's still just a, a gore gag on the surface, right? There's something neat about that. <laughs> yeah, all the fucking guts and stuff in this is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I think I think my favorite line of the entire movie is at the very end when the uh, two guys who are kind of like laying siege to the alien house finally bump back into Derek who like comes through a wall with a chainsaw and cuts an alien a half and they just go, Hey, it's gone. Ape shit. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Just because I, it seems so ridiculous and over the top. But at the same time, you're like, no, that's, that's the proper reaction. I mean, <laughs> you're like, he's clearly lost his mind. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Um, so apparently Peter Jackson is working on 4k restoration of this movie. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Uh, apparently he wants to do his first four movies. So he wants to do bad taste, uh, dead alive, brain dead and meet the feebles and do 4k restorations of all three of them. 
Sure. I, I was getting ready to say, Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles deserve a 4K restoration. Because while they are uh, the most genre-y of genre movies, <laughs> yes, they are also classics that should be shown in film schools. See, a movie like that taste, I'm not sure if I want to watch that in 4K. It's kind of more fun to see it right? as a product of its era, you know? I wish I feel, I'd watch this on VHS. I feel like if he was smart, he would release he would release it in 4K, and you get to choose restored version, unrestored version, so yeah. you could watch it sort of shitty quality or pristine quality if you really want to. Yeah, because in all honesty, my favorite way to watch this movie would be like VHS, but not even like a real VHS, like a copy of a VHS that your buddy made for you, so that you could see the movie too, like. Uh, his parents I, were out of town so he could get the VCR from the bedroom and hook it up to the VCR in the living room and make his own illegal copy of the movie. That's how you should be watching this. I, I, I disagree. The best way to watch this movie would be on a drive-in screen uh, with a fistful of greasy-ass corn dogs and maybe some <laughs> Green River soda. That is true. I, I think you'd want this to be like a real summer drive-in where everybody's out of their cars. For sure. <laughs> and that drive-in better have a liquor license, and I think you have a great time. <laughs> yeah, if you were doing VHS, I feel like you couldn't even watch it on a, like a, you'd have to get like an old tube TV. Yeah, oh yeah. And it couldn't be over like 30 inches. <laughs> it would have to feel like you were sneaking into your parents' basement after they went to bed. That's the yeah. best way to, I think, do experience. <laughs> yeah, speak. Speaking of watching movies, so before cooking the our little miniature uh, Thanksgiving feast for just the two of us this morning, I decided to buy a wall mount for my new TV, and I was all excited to put it up, and uh, I started drilling the holes to mount this thing, and there were no studs in the wall, <laughs> and I was like, this isn't right, so I kept measuring it from different places, and I ended up putting... Uh, a fuckload of holes in my wall <laughs> trying to find these studs. And finally, what I figured out is, of course, this house is old, and uh, people just do whatever the fuck they want sometimes. So instead of the studs being every 16 inches, they were every 18 inches, because that makes it possible to find them. <laughs> but, just, just so everybody so, knows, so. I spent three hours this morning after recovering from Corona screaming at a wall like why are they not where they're supposed to be <laughs> did, did your tv end up getting mounted or yeah i finally oh. found one and then i kind of like figured out where they were because so um my living room has those old 1950s knotty pine walls not like panel walls but like actual fucking like wood slat walls yeah. I got half of my back room is that, yeah. Yeah, which makes using a stud finder in fucking possible because everything's <laughs> wood. <laughs> but yeah, it was a fucking no. nightmare. I just figured I, everyone would get a kick out of me drilling <laughs> hole after hole after hole into my wall, being like, I measured this eight times. There, there should be a stud here. Why is it not here? Is there... Is the TV at least big enough to cover all the holes? Most of the holes, I will say. <laughs> Let's fuck that. Just buy a bigger TV. <laughs> Looks like well, someone. Well, the problem is someone's is my, gonna be patching some stuff and paint 
in a room soon. I was going to say the wall mount I bought is an articulated one that, like, I don't think I could get much of a bigger TV. I would have to buy another wall mount, and then I would be right back where I started. (laughs) I can't wait for next week's story. It was pretty dope. I bought bought one of those, like, fully. I was going to say, I bought one of those fully articulated ones, so, like, the TV can come out, like, uh, two feet and can tilt and up and down and so you can get the glare off of it and yeah. shit pretty dope yeah i was hoping the end of that story was going to be well it was there 18 so now now my wall mount doesn't fit <laughs> so i can't i can't hang it on the wall so now there's just a bunch of holes drilled by a wall my tv's back where it was originally oh it looks it looks real bad there's literally if 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 you take the tv mount off the wall there is a string of about mm, I don't know, 10 or 15 holes about an inch apart from each other where I just went, fuck it. There has to be a stud. So I just started drilling hole after hole after hole after hole being like, I have to hit one. Eventually. I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, that's a little off. So you're like, there are no studs. And you're like, sure. I want this. And you just run right through a wall. <laughs> but anyway, so that reminds me of right. Peter well, Jackson. Do you have anything else to say about bad taste? Your uh, <laughs> microphone sounds weird, Brian. Doug, does he sound weird to you? Yes, he does. Probably. I'm getting a pretty nice delay from you guys. Yeah, you're like uh, I don't I don't know, lo-fi or something. Try my fucking internet. Nope. Right, now, now, it sounds, no, now it sounds better. Oh, okay. Excellent job fixing it, Brian. Good job. Yep, did does nothing. Anybody, does anybody want to talk about Peter Jackson movies now? Or is there something else you want to go off about? Have well, you guys ever bad. noticed that Peter Jackson without a beard is super hard to recognize for some reason? Yes. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't even try. It's it's weird because it's the opposite with the beard. You put the beard on him, and you could spot Peter Jackson in a crowded mall from a thousand paces. He has his own look going for him now. That's pretty settled in. It's just going to be his look for the rest of his life. But right, you're like, hey, who's that homeless pervert? Oh, it's Peter Jackson. Never mind. (laughs) He's allowed to be a pervert. He made Lord of the Rings. It's fine. I don't even think he is a pervert. I think he just chooses to look like one. (laughs) (laughs) Has all the money in the world. Just, I want to go for the homeless look. Uh, All right. Does anybody else have anything else to say about bad taste? Uh, It's such a, once again, it's such a high recommend. I just, (laughs) you need to have the right expectations of what this movie is going into it. Because if you don't, you're going to be angry and be like, why the fuck would people ever recommend this movie? Yeah. Cause it's, it's barely a movie, but it's just, it's, it's one of those, I don't know, like an artifact of its time where people would just try their best to make movies, even though the technology to do it on your own didn't really exist. And every now and again, a gem would trickle through like this, or like, you know, if you're a big fan of like evil dead, this might be a good movie for you. Cause you're just like, look, Look what happens when a group of friends just decide to make a movie and decide fuck it, right? Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I read that that was part of it. That he was filming like a short film, and 
ended up with like 50 minutes of like footage and he like liked evil dead so he was just like yeah fuck it let's just film another half hour we're good <laughs> fair enough <laughs> it's good. i mean you can definitely like if you're objectively trying to review this movie it's like yeah you can feel that it's all choppy and you know you could probably almost watch the movie and figure out you know where the weekend ended and where they had to start again each time. <laughs> it's just, you know, a bunch of, it's a collection of scenes more so than it is a story until the very end where they just kind of tie everything together. But it's so impressive what they were able to do on no budget. And you, like, you can start to see the, the inklings of just a genius coming through. Like some of the fight scenes where it's like, obviously they didn't have like a professional choreographer on set and none of these guys really knew what they were doing so they're swinging sledgehammers at each other and they're having to go so slow that it's a bit ridiculous (laughs) but you can see that you're like oh yeah and then in his next movies when he has somebody who can actually help him shoot a proper scene and it's not just his buddies trying not to get killed by sledgehammers (laughs) they can do everything a lot faster and you know he you know, he, he learns to, you can see him already doing like the cuts and the different angles and stuff in this to make it look good. And as soon as he has the budget to pull it off, it's great in future movies. So I, yeah. I was going to say the, the leap, the leap in uh, technical proficiency that he shows between this movie and I do believe uh, Dead Alive's is his next movie, right? Uh, it's possible. I, I think that's right. I think he went straight from this to that. And just the, the sheer amount of improvement in his filmmaking skills should be enough for anybody to go, holy fuck, this dude is going to be really, <laughs> really good. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's one of those when you have to do everything, it's hard to get stuff done correctly. But when you actually have like a crew and money, it's like, oh fuck! I can I can do everything I want to do. Right, man. Now I want to watch Dead Alive again. <laughs> might, um, I right. might have to do that tomorrow. <laughs> I was uh, gonna watch uh, the sequel to the Santa Claus on Netflix, but <laughs> uh, Meet the Feebles was right after Bad Taste. Okay, so Meet the Feebles is the next one. Still, even yeah. then. Yeah. I've never seen that one and now I really want to because like bad taste was such a pleasant surprise. It's insanity. I I was going to say over the years a whole lot of people have tried to make a crazy adult uh movie with puppets and I and most of them have been failures. But Meet Meet the Feebles is like <laughs> I I think he just he might have hit that nail on the head so fucking hard that it ruined everyone else's abilities <laughs> to try to do it again. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Looking at his IMDb, it's kind of crazy. He goes, you know, Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, and then Dead Alive and Heavenly Creatures, which I have not seen, but is more of like a drama um, drama movie about a pair of lesbian killers from what i remember right right heavenly creatures was like his attempt at a more dramatic thing yeah then he did a tv movie called forgotten silver i don't don't think i've ever seen that one 
film deals with the career of a supposedly forgotten pioneer of international cinema, Colin McKenzie, who is allegedly born in rural New Zealand in 1888. All right. So it's kind of a drama type thing, too. And then yeah. right after that, he did The Frighteners. And then after The Frighteners, right into Lord of the Rings. So it's kind of an insane jump. Is that right? I thought he did, um, damn it. What was his other big one? King Kong? King Kong. I thought King Kong was before. Ooh. Basically, he did He did all three of the Lord of the Rings, and they're like, well, you obviously are amazing, so what do you want to do? I want to make King Kong. I just... Yeah. Once, once again, somebody in a boardroom somewhere were having a discussion, and they were like, hey, guess what? J.R.R. Tolkien stuff is getting ready to go open domain, so we can uh, <laughs> get balls get balls deep into this hobbit business and and they were like who should we have do this <laughs> and oh. there was a list and somebody was like hey what about that dude that made that movie where the zombies fuck and they make a little weird zombie <laughs> baby <laughs> from uh from what i remember i think it was the other way around that he he had the, had the rights to do the lord of the rings and shopped it around and everybody wanted to do it in two movies and for some reason, New Line was like, yeah, we'll do it in three movies, which is why they went with them. Huh. So. Yeah, it was definitely him trying to convince people to let him do it. I don't know exactly who owned the rights and how that worked. But yeah. It was... Yeah, but pretty much everybody passed on him because he, because he, he, he just wanted to be too true to the books, right? And they were like, yeah. well, you, you can't do that because those books are insane. Yeah. I was like, Bitch, I can. Which, which is funny because of the way things ended up happening, where they tried to cram nine movies worth of stuff into three movies and then stretch a half a movie's worth of stuff into three movies. <laughs> well, okay, the Hobbit movies, like, let's be honest, there was a. Uh, there's somebody flashing dollar signs around those. That's how those ended up getting made. Because. Somebody's like, we need some more of that Lord of the Rings money. What else we got? Yeah. Oh, we should do the Hobbit. It's one of those. It's one of those things where it, those movies didn't come out a super long time ago, and I think it's maybe already time to do a remake because, uh, as much as I enjoyed Fellowship of the Ring and stuff, I think they could do much better. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon's doing a series, so. See, I'm worried about, I hate, I, I love the idea of, well, we could do a series, which is basically a 13-hour movie, you know? But that's not what any of them do. They always try to write them episodic, because that's what drives binge watchers and shit. Yeah. And breaking a big story like that into episodes doesn't always work i mean look yeah. at look at the defenders series i mean i think that's what it suffered from they were trying to make individual episodes and they weren't good so you think that then they should just make one 13 hour long movie yeah broke broken into 13 parts that's, i don't know how you do that you just literally make a 13 hour movie and slice it into 13 even parts do you remember how annoyed people would get when they would have to get up in the middle of a movie and flip over their <laughs> laser disc you want to put them through that once a week that's not a great I, way to hold well, your audience's attention 
I think it should be shot that way, and it should be broken up so that if people can only watch half of it, then they can watch half of it and turn it off. But I think that if you watch it, instead of, like, it doing end credits, beginning credits, and then starting all again, no, just play straight through. Straight through that motherfucker. I will watch a 13-hour movie and be perfectly fucking happy. <laughs> I've, I've done it, so... We did, uh, a long time ago, we did all three of the Lord of the Rings, the extended editions in one day. And it was like 14 hours total. Yeah, fuck yeah. At the end of it, my friend tried to get up off the couch to, to you know, go to the bathroom. And he literally fell to the floor because his legs had fallen asleep. <laughs> That's amazing. That would have been the best part of the day. <laughs> You're like, oh, Peter Jackson couldn't have scripted that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if they could, if they could take the Marvel movies and supercut them into movies released in the same year, mm-hmm. that would be fucking top notch. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be down with that. Be like, all right, <laughs> sit down <laughs> and just watch this nine and a half hour movie. Mm. So you're saying, you're saying that. I'm saying all of them supercut together. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I, I and in chronological order of when they are supposed to take place, not when they were released. Once again, I think that sounds fucking amazing. My only problem is, is I think ten years ago I would have been like, "Fire up the popcorn, boys!" It's just about to get weird. And, and now I would get like, I could probably do eight. I would get eight hours in and be like, "I'm gonna die." <laughs> Someone help well, me. I'm dehydrated. The good thing is, if you did die, we would know somebody who could talk to your ghost so you could tell us what unfinished business you have. <laughs> well played. So, Doug, why don't you Swish. tell us about the Frighteners? Um, the fri- Frighteners, uh, Michael J. Fox plays a paranormal psychic who is. Basically, he's got a deal going with a couple of ghosts where he sends them into a house to scare some people. Then he goes in and charges to chase the ghosts out. And that's his little scam he's got going. And uh, one day, uh, some evil thing comes to town and it starts taking souls. And he gets caught up in the mystery of it. And that's kind of your elevator pitch for the movie. And we can go through all the specifics because there's some bigger twists you and turns in this the... fucking movie. You think it's the Grim Reaper, but it's really just Jake Busey's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ends up being Jake, Jake Busey is a serial killer, and it's his demon soul, whatever, coming back to snag the souls of... Just basically because he wants to be the guy that killed the most people, and he's figured out how to do it, even though he was executed. And there's a whole little... There's a subplot where one of the people that Michael J. Fox is scamming, he becomes semi-romantically involved with the wife, even though the husband's ghost is floating around, still trying to get him to help him communicate. Uh, There's another subplot where Jake Busey's former girlfriend, who is now like, was like 15 at the time of the original killings and is now an adult, is still helping him rack up numbers. There's a subplot where Michael J. Fox figures out how to kill himself so that he can become a spirit so that he can fight JPC's ghost. <laughs> but he's pulled back out because he can only stay under for so long, kind of like in Flatliners. 
Yeah. A lot goes on in this movie, considering the silliness (laughs) of the topic. It's this movie's interesting in the fact that it's one of those reverse ones where I didn't particularly like this movie all that much the first time I saw it. And I think with each additional rewatch, I actually like it a little bit more than I did. Most, I think it's mostly because I don't think the first time I saw it, I was paying attention to how talented all the people involved are. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah, it's amazing when you look at like the cast list and you look at like the people behind the scenes and everything. And you're just like, holy shit. Like, how are all these people working on this silly movie about ghosts and hauntings and stuff? (laughs) And there's, you know what I mean? Like. Fucking Gomez Adams having his job stolen by a ghost dog. He's having a fight to get it back. And you're like, wait a minute, why are all these people in this? It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah I think the biggest... Th- this this movie has two major drawbacks, and one of them's not its fault. And that is, God, the CGI in this movie's fucking bad. Oh. It's bad, 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 oh, bad. Oh, completely disagree. 100% disagree. I will I will say the the ghosts look good still. All of like the Grim Reaper stuff is very dated. Yes. Well, I don't I don't know about that at all. I mean I, it's I don't it's even a mind little dated, where he's but the parts where anything. he's like moving through the rugs and the wall and stuff, I'm okay with that. But whenever he's actually supposed to be the Grim Reaper figure, that thing is it's bad. No, I disagree. Compared to anything else that came out in 1996, this is amazing. Compared to stuff that came out in the mid-2000s, this is still pretty good. That's what I would say. Yeah, if you're comparing it to 2020 CGI, if you're comparing it to fucking Thanos, it doesn't look as good. But well, I'm, I'm not... It's, that's, that's the whole thing. I'm not, I'm not... It's a product of its time, and that's, that's a thing. But, no, but you, but you're we can all admit CGI. that 90 CGI was bad, and this yeah. is 90 CGI. No, so it's, you, it's bad. You're forgetting what real 90s CGI is. 90s CGI did not look like this at all. Like, this is for its time. This is just insanely good. I, like, I, and I just I think, cannot, I just cannot agree with that. It's just the, I think it, most of the ghosts and the moving through the walls and all that, I think that is almost as good as what they do today. It's like, yeah, what a, it's, it's what a low budget film would do today. And they did it in 1996 or whatever. It's fascinating how good the the technology in this film is. And once again, I'm forgiving them their bad CGI because of when the movie was made. But the other problem is we were talking about all the subplots that the writing in this movie is a fucking mess. Like they, I I don't know who the fuck was in charge (laughs) But they needed to pick a direction and go that way because well, they yeah, spent, you can blame some mechas. Yeah, yeah, they spent so I, much yeah. time dealing with all this side shit that, like, there's a whole subplot about that his wife was murdered by this ghost and that the girl cut the fucking number into her head and shit, and that there's this FBI agent that's convinced that he's some kind of supernatural uber murderer because of it. And that plot line is a fucking great plot line for a movie. It's just completely ignored for 75% of the movie. Yeah. I think you can really tell that this is Peter Jackson and Robert Zemeckis kind of meshing and not and realizing that maybe neither of them fully took charge of the direction of the film. 
because you've got a lot of Peter Jackson style humor in here. You've got the darker elements of it that are clearly him. And then you've got a kind of a tone that permutates most of the movie, which is this sort of Zemeckis tone of kind of family friendly, light humor. And it causes problems, you know, with them trying to fit everything into one movie is what it is. Peter Jackson's trying to make a horror movie and everybody else is telling him to make a, a PG-13 comedy. And it's really hard to mix those two things. Right. But this movie was rated R. No, yeah, well, he failed at making his PG-13 comedy. That's what I just said. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> he, he actually did. He, he kept trying to edit it and the MPAA would not give him the PG thirteen. So he he I, actually he actually changed Jeffrey Combs's death because he was supposed to get a shot in the chest, and he's like, "Well, fuck it. If we're getting an R anyway, let's just blow his head up." I was <laughs> I I was getting ready to mention that because, I mean, if this I I feel like if this movie went in front of a ratings board today right now, it would get a PG thirteen rating. It's a PG thirteen. Oh, no problem. Movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a different time. Even even with Jeffrey Combs getting shot in the fucking face. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a different world now than it was then, and in its in its yeah. time, this was an R-rated film. But and the other thing I read was this originally was being planned to be like a Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. See, I'd always heard an episode, but then I've read something that they were thinking about doing it as like a Tales from the Crypt movie. That's what I've read about it, is that it was originally supposed to be that, and when they sort of started working on the scripts and the ideas, they realized it was kind of big enough that it could stand on its own. Yeah. In which they were wrong. (laughs) Well. It wasn't big enough to stand on its own. That's kind of another issue, because apparently Peter Jackson was really pushing to have it come out around Halloween, and the studio put it out during the summer, and it... Yeah. It did not do well. I, I don't know why they, they feel the need to put everything out in the summer. It's like, yeah, maybe your movie about ghosts should come out at the time of year where there's a million people dressed up as ghosts. I don't, it, do, I, I, I always felt like maybe the mistake that they made is for some reason they thought that Michael J. Fox meant that this movie was a blockbuster. And I, and I don't think anybody ever stopped to go, you know what? Maybe that's not accurate. <laughs> like, well, again, I think yeah. that's probably a studio problem. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why the studio would look at this and be like, well, this is, this is summer blockbuster because this is like a year before independence day. Is that right? No, it's the same year as independence day, isn't it? Both 96. Oh yeah. Both 96. Yeah. So yeah. So this competed against independence day. <laughs> like, and again, it's like I like what Michael J. Fox does in this movie, but you're taking this like typical like beloved actor who's known for being this kind of lovable kid type character, and you're putting him into something completely different. That's you have to know that's going to turn off a certain percentage of the fan base. They're going to see the trailer and say that's not the Michael J. Fox I want to see, which is fine. Yeah. Like you. I would assume he doesn't, you know, didn't make the money off this that he would have made off some of his other movies and stuff like that. And you know, you're doing that, and that's that's okay. And I like, like, say, I really enjoy the performance, but it that doesn't make it a blockbuster film. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, Ian, once again, once again, a bunch of it. I I don't know. The like I said, the 
the writing, the way that the story plays out, such it's so fucking problematic. Because I, the character, Michael J. Fox's character, if given room to breathe, and Michael J. Fox being the great actor that Michael J. Fox is, mm-hmm. should have been this great role. That he's this con artist who's secretly just a completely broken sad person yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah and you can see that in the scene where he's in the jail cell and the what's her face is talking to him and he's trying to just get her to leave him alone so that she'll be safe and yeah. stuff it's like, like a great back and forth but right right yeah. but but you don't you don't get that because once again they want to spend a whole bunch of this movie focusing on irrelevant fucking side plots. I just don't, like I said, there's just too much. There's the whole, there is the red herring of you think that the uh, girlfriend of the serial killer is being tormented by him. Well, no, it's really, she's into him and it's the mom's just trying to stop, keep her away from the ghost. Basically (laughs) she's trying to chase away her evil ghost boyfriend. (laughs) Which is kind of weird. (laughs) That whole thing's weird because you're like, wait, he's a super. He could just fucking murder that mom at any point. Why wouldn't he just murder the mom? (laughs) And and we've got Jeffrey Combs with his paranormal investigator FBI agent who is quite possibly the best part of the entire movie. He's insane. It's just it's fantastic. It's the thing is, it's so different from what Michael J. Fox is doing in the same movie. <laughs> and they kind of end up being like antagonists to one another. And you're just like, well, why is one of these guys a cartoon character? One of these guys is this like trying to act as if he's in like this real movie. And it's kind of problem. That's where I think like the tone is just inconsistent. And like, I think everything involving JPC's girlfriend, I forget her name. But, um, T. Wallace. D. Wallace. Yeah, no, I meant the character's name. I couldn't remember. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't like, matter. All, all of that should have been excised, and they should have just let this movie focus on a lot more on Michael J. Fox's character. And then you could have this the villains sort of be. You've got the, the phantom villain, and then you've got you've got um, the FBI agent chasing him around. Like with all that going on, you just didn't need extra storylines that are just and it becomes Right, right. I don't even think you, I, I don't even think you need the love story. I think you could completely take out the Michael J. Fox's girlfriend, all that. I think you could take all that out. It doesn't change this movie. It is a Hollywood movie. It's gonna have some kind of romance storyline in the middle of it. That's just how things go. Well, in which that's and that's fine. I'm just saying it's not it's not plot necessary. It's just not. No, but it, no. again, if if you were to dedicate more screen time to michael j fox's character you could use that to inform the character right you could and we, we just talked about how the interactions with her in that jail cell were actually really helpful in seeing what they were trying to do with that character where he's you know trying to ignore her but he can't quite do it and he sort of at one point actually has to like turn his back on her and you're like that's really good stuff it's just too bad the movie's not more of that that would you could have had him and her getting into discussions about what happened to his wife and stuff and the guilt he clearly feels about it and all that other stuff that's going on. So you could have got rid of the, uh, spree killer stuff and, uh, had, uh, well, her husband, her husband's dopey in this movie, but you could just have him die and then be the phantom. And he's pissed because 
Michael J. Fox is hitting on his wife. That could work. I don't know. Just, yeah. just, just figuring just out a way the, to condense stuff down. Yeah. Just, I was I was getting ready to say, it, it just taking. I I feel like putting worse actors in a couple roles <laughs> might have actually helped. <laughs> it, and and that sounds dumb, but if you think about it, because so you've got Michael J. Fox, who's really really good at like getting people's attention. Jeffrey Combs, who's really, really good at drawing people's attention. And Jake Busey, who, despite the fact that Jake Busey's never going to win an Oscar, he is a bombastic-ass character actor who, once again, he, like, I I don't know, he's like a giant flashing kick-me sign or something. (laughs) Because he's like that in every movie he's in. You just can't help but get sucked in and be like, that son of a bitch. (laughs) Like... I was going to say, I mean, if you, if you say like, oh, in the fifties or whenever, uh, this guy went in and shot up a hospital, somebody's going to be like, well, obviously that has to be played by Jake Busey. <laughs> right. Right. But once, and once again, with, with them spreading, uh, character interactions so thin, I, I don't, it's almost distracting having these big characters. Yeah. I kind of get what you're saying. Take the spotlight off of some of the some of the side characters and focus it more where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. My I, vote, I, I, my I vote would be take out Jake Busey, but only because I'll, I'll be goddamned if anyone will ever talk to him <laughs> voluntarily taking Jeffrey Combs out of a movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is they got to pick and choose which movie they're making, and if they're making the fun comedy about the ghost sipping in and out then you get rid of Jake Busey if you're making the more dark horror film then you need him in it and that's when you have to maybe take out your Jeffrey Combs no <laughs> take out Michael J. Fox replace him instead <laughs> well I'm not, again I'm not suggesting I'm saying that if you, you pick your storylines and you decide where you want your, your climax to be and how you want things to progress and you know, do you really need to dedicate multiple scenes to Arlie Ermey's character from Full Metal Jacket showing up as a ghost? Like, yeah, it was funny, but if you're doing that, then you can't really de- kind of default back to this sort of dark, more serious ending that they try to tag onto this film, where it's like this showdown that involving these ghosts dragging each other into heaven and hell and shit. And you're like, okay, well, like, I like both. I just don't think they belong. Did we mention that apparently the tunnel to hell is uh, an undulating colon inside of the mouth of some kind of hell snake? (laughs) I was was just going to say evil graboid, but whatever. I was going to say toothy wall penises. Oh yeah, toothy wall penises. That's probably the best. Uh, Yeah, I always forget how much I love this movie. Like I never really think about it, and every time I watch it, I'm just like, "Man, that was such a good movie." Yeah, it, there's a lot to like in the movie. I think there's a lot of like, I really like the interactions between Michael J. Fox and the two ghosts that like live with them, or three. <laughs> factor in the John Aston one. I love the performance by John Aston. That scene where he decides to have sex with the mummy in the. <laughs> I like it you, when they lay just, still like that. You just see his butt coming up and down from the outside of the sarcophagus. It's just like, it's so funny. 
which uh so best undead grandpa uh gramps from house two or john aston from frighteners tough. Do, well do we know that john aston's character is actually a grandpa we don't know that no, do i we? don't know so there you go he might i'm gonna go ahead and assume he's not for the purposes of not having to make this decision that's what that's what i say to you i found a technicality you can't make me pick uh uh, i don't know do we have anything else the first half of this movie is super fun the ending is a good kind of you know uh less dark horror movie ending it's 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 a bit rough watching the two happen together trying to figure out how to how you get from ghosts that are like you know forgetting that they forgetting that they pass through walls and when they go to lean on things they fall right through how you get from there to jake Busey being dragged into hell by graboids it's a bit it's a bit of a leap it's a bit jarring as they go back and forth between the two tones but i like both tones i just wish they'd kind of picked one yeah i was gonna say i think this is another one i I think i I might like to see a remake of this movie. Oh, I don't know. I think because you, the problem with something like that is in trying to capture the gold of those interactions between Michael J. Fox and the two ghosts. Like, I don't, I don't know if you could do that if you were not coming from kind of a pure place. Like Peter Jackson writing and directing his own stuff is true. But, but I, whenever I say a remake of this movie, I'm, I'm not meaning like, uh, a faithful remake. Like I would, I would like to see someone else do this differently. If that makes sense. <laughs> you like the concept. You just want to yeah. see it done differently. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, the, the, pro- the, I think the thing that I dislike the most about this movie is that I like everything that happens on screen. <laughs> it's well, I it's hate it just, when I enjoy everything. Well, it's just that I just don't like it from moment to moment. Like each individual thing is great. They just don't fit together in any intelligible way that makes it I don't know. It's ironic that it's exactly what you liked about the other movie. Yeah. True. <laughs> well but by case basis. So the other the other movie, there's no room for emotional attachment to characters. And I feel like in this movie, there is. They just fucked it up. Does that make sense? There's a, there's a difference between never attempting it in the first place and fucking it up. That actually makes more sense than almost anything else you've ever said in the podcast. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out The Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Noah. Since you've been gone for a while, do you have anything you would like to uh, share with us that you viewed while you were gone? Surprisingly little. Nah, uh, I'm not surprised. Most mostly because I ended up watching a lot of like TV TV series instead of individual movies yeah. to occupy my time. 
But I did watch several. Uh, I finally watched Warrior Nun on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's been on my watch list. I haven't watched it yet. It's pretty good. Uh, my biggest <laughs> my biggest complaint is ostensibly it's a show about a secret order of warrior nuns that are basically led by a superhero nun who has an angel's halo crammed into her back, which gives her superpowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say ostensibly because 90% of the show, they instead are doing random things that have nothing to fucking do with any of that, which is disappointing. Cause I'm like, no, there's a nun with superpowers. I want to see her use the cool glowy sword and fucking kill people. Why isn't she doing that? Why are we spending fucking an entire episode with her at some swanky party? This is fucking stupid. So I would call it a 50, 50 it's, it's not bad, but it's not what I wanted. So that's a big complaint. Uh, I watched a bajillion episodes of Lucifer in which (laughs) good God, there are so many. I think I think you forget exactly how many episodes there are in a regular TV season of a show. I'm so used to like Netflix where a season's 13 yeah. episodes instead of 26 hour long episodes. Yeah, I was going to say did they did they do the full order when it was on Fox? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. yeah. And and so it doesn't switch to Netflix until like season four. So man, seasons one through three, there's so many fucking episodes. <laughs> yeah. I I'm kind of enjoying the fact that we're moving towards a more like British style of doing TV series where it's just 10, maybe 13 episodes and you're out. Right. I, I dig the short seasons and I, the only other thing I wish they would do is I like book ended seasons like they did with, uh, Sherlock and all that kind of stuff where each yeah. season's contained, like that is the story. And the next season is basically a sequel to the previous season. Yeah. And so it's not all this cliffhangery bullshit all the time. <laughs> Because we all know how I feel about cliffhangery bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah, you and cliffhangers. I, oh, I fucking hate it. I hate it. <laughs> In the fucking thing. Uh, In the story. You're not going to, because eventually you're not going to make another season. And then you will ruin the whole show for me. Because it ends on a cliffhanger and it never is resolved. It's torturous. It's awful. Oh, you mean like uh, Constantine lying in a sewer, bleeding out? Yeah. <laughs> motherfucker yeah but you know he turned out okay because he showed up on arrow so right right they, and they never bothered to explain how that happened yeah i think there's been no explanation <laughs> now that he's like a regular on uh legends of tomorrow they have never once brought up what happened <laughs> i was i was super excited because i found out that swamp thing was finally on the cw app and i was like oh yeah i've been, yeah. I've been so excited to watch fucking swamp thing and i sat down to watch it and I don't know if CW is just being fucking lazy or if it was too hard, but I don't know if you watched it on CW. I have not. Okay. So, you know, I watched, I watched the, the original DC universe version, right? You watch the DC universe version, yeah. which I'm assuming you could guess 
that the CW needs to edit that a little bit. Uh, of course, for because time and content. Yeah, for time and content and, you know, profanity and violence and all that kind of stuff. In the edit, the editing is bad yeah. on the CW, where you can tell they do, where there's like a hard cut on something where you're like, okay, so there was a cool kill right there, and they just completely cut it out, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and blatant uh, profanity where they're, you know, not only did they bleep it out, but they like blur their mouth so they. <laughs> And it's like, oh, chill the fuck out. Like, no, no one <laughs> fucking cares. Did you know that uh, this is completely sidetracked? Did you know after Full House ended that Dave Coulier, one of his jobs, was doing TV edits, voiceovers for Richard Pryor movies? <laughs> no, but that's awesome. He, he does an amazing Richard Pryor. <laughs> and he... They did like he did an example that it would be like, you know, damn you, motherfucker. And he'd be like, damn you, mother father. And would completely like, like do the <laughs> TV dub. It was crazy. That's awesome, actually. Yeah, that's so, life. Sorry, continue. Oh, so so I actually haven't finished it yet, despite the fact that I love fucking Swamp Thing. And despite mm-hmm. the fact that I think it's it's it seems like it's actually a pretty good show. But those edits, yeah. I can't, I can't fucking do it. I don't. Yeah, know. I would, I would try to watch it normally. Uh, so there was that. Uh, I watched Event Horizon because you guys did the Event Horizon episode. Yeah, I was like, yeah Event Horizon. <laughs> Guess what? Still fucking awesome. Yep. God damn. Yeah. It's so good. It's it's um. So I I typically don't usually get super into horror movies that are about uh hell and that kind of stuff just because i don't know i feel like they don't normally do it well yeah but but a few movies do and like hellraiser i like their version of hell like i just dig it and i dig event horizons version of this weird sadistic mm self god thing i don't it's it's yeah the the darkness and the sadism and the violence of it all i don't if in horizon's just so fucking good <laughs> yeah i mean that's kind of what we said about it was just you kind of stumble over your own words and you're like but it's so good because <laughs> it is a little bit ill-defined right 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 it's kind of, it's the funny thing is, if you described the plot of Event Horizon to somebody, it sounds like a cliche. Like, you're like, oh, it's this thing, and it travels through another dimension, and that dimension is hell, so it brings hell with it. And you're like, okay, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> like, there's there's lots of things that pass through things, and it brings hell with it. We, we all know, and you're like, no... <laughs> But if in Horizon's different, you better. don't understand. <laughs> no, no, you're you're wrong. You're wrong. It's delightful. Watch it. And uh, and what and what the fuck had ha- what the fuck happened to uh, Paul W. S. Anderson? He obviously could make good movies, and then he just did this, and then made a bunch of shit movies. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he fucked up because he made a really good movie. Yeah. 
and got convinced that he was really good at making movies. <laughs> Just couldn't keep it going. And and then whenever he went to do something else, he was all cocky, and they were like, "Oh no, this isn't good." And he's like, "Wait, I make bad movies." And then he lost all of his confidence. And can't make any bad movies. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that was uh, fun. And listening to you guys talk about Soldier was fun too. I didn't rewatch it, but I've seen it several times. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've said it. Doug's not here to tell me not to talk about it, but apparently we fucked up and put Soldier on the list twice. Because uh, it was supposed to be in Kurt Russell month. Yeah. So now we're going to have to come up with another sci fi. Sci-fi movie for Kurt Russell month. We're going to have to jam another Kurt Russell movie in. Oh, no. <laughs> no, don't. Please. Maybe we should just slap Santa Chronicles 2 in there, because right? I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> I know. I hovered on it today on Netflix, but I'm like, eh. I did. I did as well. I was like, ooh. And then I was like, nope. It's Thanksgiving. I refuse. <laughs> Give it at least a day. Yeah, I, it has to be, that's, that's my rule from now on. No Christmas, uh, pre, uh, Black Friday. That is the rules. <laughs> Black Friday, you can Christmas it up however you want, but so help me God, <laughs> Thanksgiving gets to be its own thing. Uh, I watched, um, Henry Rollins' stage show. Oh yeah. Just called, like keep talking pal or something. Yeah. Which is interesting. I I don't. They book it wrong because they they try to book it as like a stand up special, you know, like yeah. comedy. Yeah, that's not really what Henry Rollins does. Yeah. So uh, he did. He came to the jukebox here in town once, and it was on Thanksgiving, I believe. So you had to be there Thanksgiving night to watch it, and I couldn't couldn't convince uh, the wife that we could. Uh, skip you know at the time one of our two stops to go see it but yeah um yeah it's, it's much more spoken word than right up. right in in the whole thing is just it, henry rollins is two things he's charismatic and he's overly intense yeah. Yeah. And, and those two things are great like and i get that other people might not be into that, but I, I always have been, I've seen a bunch of his like stage stuff and I always, he, he's just thoroughly entertaining. I like listening to him talk and. Do you ever his watch his, uh, stories. His, the TV show he had on IFC? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, he had like an interview show. It was actually really good. Each episode would start off with him ranting about something. One episode was about Walmart you know whatever nice and then he, he would have somebody on and he, they would just sit and have a conversation and like one of them like i remember him you interviewing christopher walken and it was super fascinating um and then i think when everybody was really protesting like the bush administration over the war he had two soldiers that just got home from being overseas on and talk to them about their experiences and stuff. And huh. Yeah. He just found really interesting subject to talk about. It sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, then with Char, she wanted to rewatch uh, Alice in Wonderland. The, the 
not the cartoon, the Disney live action Tim Burton. Bert, the Burton one, yeah. And uh, I think I feel the same way that is whenever I saw it the first time. It's not very good. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not no? very good from many, many different ways. It's just I. I think stylistically, it's uh, it's Burton diarrhea because I think Tim mm. Burton wants everything to look like Tim Burton World, and yeah. while that was very charming, two or three movies in, twenty or thirty movies in, it is no longer charming or interesting it's just oh he's not he's not really super creative he just has one thing he does over and over again <laughs> uh and and he has slowly driven me mad with anna bottom carter i don't i i fucking hate her now she's not <laughs> I, I used to b- b- think that she was one of those like quirky, great actresses. And I'm like, yeah, crazy in the bottom garter. Let's throw her in something. And now I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. And I hate your stupid fucking face. <laughs> like, Oh, it's not her fault. No, I don't. I don't think it is because, because every once in a while she pops up in something else. And that's great. I mean, she was in fucking Harry Potter and that was great. Like, I, I don't know. I think, uh, once again, I think it's a Tim Burton thing. I think maybe he has toxic relationships with <laughs> some of the actors and actresses. Like Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, great actor. It, it fucking sucks in Tim Burton movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. like I, I wonder what the thing that those have in common is. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. No. I just think I think the last Tim Burton movie that I liked was like Big Fish. Yeah, I could see that. I'm trying to even think of what's been out since then. I don't know. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Two of those fucking Alice in Wonderland movies. <laughs> yeah, I never saw the second one. No need for that. But yeah. Yeah, just an endless parade of crap. I don't know. It's just so it's so weird to think about that. If somebody had told me uh like ten years ago that I would fucking hate Tim Burton, <laughs> I would have been like, No way, Tim Burton makes all these great movies. He made Batman. Did you ever watch the uh the Death of Superman Lives, the documentary about Burton's Superman movie? Uh, I actually never have. I keep meaning to. Oh, you should. Because it, it has a weird effect where when the documentary is over, you're kind of like, man, I kind of wish he would have made that movie. <laughs> because I, at the time, I just remember being like, I do not want Tim Burton making a Superman movie at all. But some something about the documentary is just like, man, I wish he would have made that. And made I, it exactly like this. Nicholas Cage is Superman. Well, see, that's that's where the whole thing like hits a brick wall for me. Every time somebody says Nicholas Cage is Superman, I'm like, that would have been so bad. I know, but I kind of want to see it. <laughs> so bad. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I feel like maybe we were spoiled back then where stuff wasn't rebooted like every two movies. 
Whereas now I feel like, well, we figured out time travel and we're going to make a Superman movie with, you know, 1999 Nicolas Cage as Superman. And I would be like, yeah. Just those, those pictures of him in that mullet wig in the muscle suit, (laughs) everything about everything about that movie horrifies me. The idea that that movie could have ever been made. That wasn't the finalized suit though. You have to watch the documentary they go into a lot of, a lot of how the stuff that came out about it is apparently one of Tim Burton's, like the way he works is he comes up with just the craziest ideas of stuff to do. And then just whittles it down. And then he slowly whittles it down to what it, you know, what it ends up becoming and all the stuff that came out is all his crazy ideas. And it never got whittled down. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. I would I would recommend giving it a watch if if that's the kind of stuff you're into. And the guy does end up getting... Well, I think, I, think I would Tim enjoy Burton, the documentary so. about the movie not being made. It's more exciting to me than the idea yeah. of the movie actually being made. Yeah. Like I said, I think the documentary would change your mind. And he, actually, and he actually gets in a room with Tim Burton. So, I mean, there is like confirmation on stuff like you hear it from Tim Burton's mouth of this would have happened and this wouldn't have happened, et cetera. So just, yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, I'm sure there's other series that I watched, but I can't remember now because it's been like two weeks of me ill on a couch. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, the other night I rewatched mystery men. Oh yeah. Which is, Man, it's still really good. <laughs> I have such a good time with it. <laughs> I feel and, like it's time it's time for a rewatch. I haven't watched it in a long time. But with superhero culture being what it is today, I'm like, I feel like I need to to give that I, a rewatch. I honestly think it's time for a remake. Yeah. Like, cause are you familiar at all with the actual comic book no. origin of that stuff? No. Okay, so the Mystery Men is is a comic, but there weren't very many of them made. Yeah. And they came from they're like a spin-off of a comic book that was called The Flaming Carrot. Yeah. And The Flaming Carrot is impossible to explain to people. Like it's a weird fucking comic book and it's uh God, what was the guy's name that wrote it? Bob something. But it's this surrealist comic book. Mm. So imagine a comic book in Salvador Dali painting style. Like everything's kind of mind bendy and doesn't make a whole lot of sense in a lot of ways. But it was good. Mm. And then they came up with the idea of the mystery men which the mystery men has this like huge roster. It's like 30 characters. Uh, as far as the movie goes, only like three of them or four of them are actually from the comic books. Uh, Ben Stiller's character, Mr. Furious is from the comic book and the shovelers from the comic book. William H. Macy's character, uh, spleen, uh, Paul Rubens's character. And I do believe the Sphinx was in the comic book, but that one I might be wrong on. 
and they, while the characters are semi the same, they're also different in a lot of ways. Because it was once again the dude who wrote it was bonkers, and translating it into a, a movie was going to be difficult to begin with. But Mister Furious, Ben Stiller's character, he's pretty much the same. The whole joke is that you know his his powers come from his endless rage, but he's not really that angry of a guy. Yeah, <laughs> and and most of his stories are bullshit. You know what I mean? Like. So, so that translated well. The shoveler in the comic book, he, no joke, has a magical shovel that is the singing shovel of King Arthur. <laughs> and the, the shovel okay. talks, and it talks in, like, Shakespearean. <laughs> so his, William H. Macy's character in the comic book is even crazier. Like, <laughs> but I don't know. They, they kind of, oh, and, uh, that's right. Uh, Tom Waits's character, the Doctor Heller, he's in the comic books too. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it, it, I don't know. I I just feel like once again, you could remake that now and maybe make it a little more comic book accurate. Yeah, and it it would be a lot of fun. Like I I mean, the, the movie still is fun. It's great. It's it's fucking funny. James James Woods's bad guy character is fucking phenomenal. Oh, I forgot James Woods was in it. Right, and tons of it was so many people, <laughs> so many really really talented great people are in that movie. Fucking uh, Eddie Izzard is one of the his like evil disco henchmen, which is just fucking great. And uh, wasn't Doug Jones like a character at the uh, auditions or whatever? Doug Jones. Which one's Doug Jones? Uh, Abe Sapien and Hellboy. Oh, probably, probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. Pencil He's the, guy. The yeah. Pencil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The human pencil, and then there's like son of the human pencil or whatever. <laughs> and uh, was it Dane Cook as the waffler? Yes. What the fuck happened to that guy? I don't know. We can all be thankful that his career bottomed out. Oh. Dane Cook was awful. He's I liked his first couple of specials, and after that, he became he started uh playing to the frat boy crowd. And right. I got really tired of that real quick. The biggest problem I have with him is I think he tried to make up for jokes with uh intensity and i don't think that works i i I think there are people who people think make up for jokes with intensity people like chris farley and uh uh, jim belushi and you know what i mean those those types of people but the whole the whole thing was no they were really really funny they were just also intense and off the wall and stuff and dane dane cook i think just bamboozled people for a little while <laughs> and then people start to realize oh wait no he's not funny he just yells all of his bad jokes <laughs> <laughs> mm, shots fired you hear that dane cook uh, no he didn't hear that oh wow. <laughs> well here here's the thing out of all the times we've made that joke on this show I think there's the highest percentage chance that Dane Cook is fucking listening to this podcast. <laughs> Especially if Dane Cook's being mentioned in the description of the episode. <laughs> oh, he's oh. like, oh, 
Somebody mentioned me. It's the first time in four years. Oh, I'll I'll put it in the episode in the description. Let's see what happens. No way not to now. Yeah. Maybe I'll even link to it on Twitter with his Twitter handle. Let's see what happens. That's now he's crying. Luck. He's like, this guy's a dick. I was in that movie, Mr. Brooks with Kevin Costner. <laughs> my my star turning role in Torque. <laughs> That's not a good sign. Sort of like imagine Fast and the Furious, but with motorcycles. I will not be imagining that. And, and original, that. original Fast and Furious, not, uh, not you know, Superman, uh, Dwayne Johnson fighting Vin Diesel for whatever reason. Yeah. How dare you? How dare Sorry. you bring up the Fast and the Furious? <laughs> Sorry. All right, continue. They're still making those movies. Yeah. Well, there's probably still one being made right now if you check hard enough. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It was, there it was, was supposed to be. It got delayed because of COVID. But then they announced, a, I think, part 10 is going to be the last one. There was a pandemic that has brought the entire entertainment industry to its knees. And somehow there is still a fucking Fast and the Furious movie floating <laughs> around somewhere. Yeah, it was done. It's ready. John Cena's in it. It was supposed yeah. to be out. <laughs> Got pulled pulled from release. I hate it. I hate it, and I hate yeah. anyone that likes it. <laughs> John Cena's not only in it, he's in it as Vin Diesel's brother. Tell me how that works. How the fuck does that work? Oh, sorry, can you explain the problem with it? Of all the dumb shit that goes on in those movies? <laughs> Two giant muscle men are related to each other is too far well, for you. One I of them is very the, obvious, different they, ethnic, ethnicity than the other one. In the last one, they were fighting a cyborg Superman, right? <laughs> well, that was the spinoff. Hobbs and Shaw. That was a rock movie. Uh, I don't understand how anybody watches those movies, but what the fuck do I know? Yeah, quit watching quit watching Fast and the Furious and watch Mystery Man. <laughs> got Paul Fair. Rubens in it, goddammit. Paul Rubens, a national treasure. That was the... That was his comeback movie too. That movie, it's it's sad that that movie didn't do better than it did, because it yeah. ended up being a big uh, box office flop. Too ahead of its time. I didn't see, but it, I don't even think that's true. I think I I don't know why people didn't go see it, but it was fucking funny. It was funny, and it's and it's full of funny people. Yeah, but I feel like we think it's funny because we were into comic book superhero stuff. But I think like the average viewer seeing that trailer was not like, oh, well, I got to go see that. They were like, oh, that looks dumb. Superhero stuff is dumb. I'm not going to go. And now superhero stuff rules the world. So it's true. Yeah. They need to get William H. Macy back into the back into some <laughs> superhero. <-y. laughs> I know he's a little old now, but they can put him in something. Yeah, he's got to be. He could be, he could, he could be Norman Norman Osborn or something. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Makes sense. Anyways, that's it. What'd you watch, Doug? A uh, few things, nothing too too exciting to be honest. Um, we were on slashers last week, so I kind of kept that train going for a little while. Yeah. Watched uh, 1983's The Prey. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if you've seen this one. This is the one where a group of kids go camping 
and they're being stalked by someone in the woods. Have you seen that one? Or? <laughs> uh, Wait, I think I have. Is it, is it the guy with the axe? Um, well, he does, no, he that he one's does, coming up next. He does not have an axe in this one. Um, I'm trying to think. I think at some point, though, he does pick up an axe. So I can see why you'd mistake that. He doesn't have his own axe. <laughs> this is a, this turns out he's just a disfigured uh, gypsy who was living in the caves when a forest fire broke out 40 years before our starting story begins. Okay. You know, that old tale. So, so burned up gypsy. Yeah. And he's just, he's stalking some kids through the woods and there's a forest ranger who's going to help him. Um, he doesn't know he's going to help him. He thinks he's going to look for this other couple, but when he gets up there, he has to help him. And it's, uh, so the movie's like an hour 14. About, I would say, a good 20 minutes of it is just insert shots of, like, nature. Like, they're talking about bears, and then there's just a scene of some bears crawling around for a minute, just in case you don't know what a bear is. <laughs> or they're, like, walking through the woods at night, and they hear a noise cut to what is clearly stock footage of some bird making that noise and you're like all right we can do that for a while then there's about three minutes dedicated to that that forest ranger guy goes home at night and he sits and drinks a beer and plays the banjo in his house and we have to listen to the whole song then the killing starts and the killing's real fun so it makes it all worthwhile (laughs) there's guys getting thrown off mountains there's you know people getting hung from trees there's at one point there's like a we see a trap getting set early in the movie but you can't really tell what's going on you just see this tree kind of getting bent over and then like a half an hour later in movie time that trap goes off and you're like that was fucking awesome i was so so glad they foreshadowed <laughs> that for me so yeah a lot of fun it's one of those ones that i've definitely seen before but i could not remember it and then like three minutes in i started to remember oh yeah i remember this one I remember the guys getting tossed off the mountain because that's particularly fun. Because our how how our resident gypsy does it, he waits till this guy's like climbing halfway down the mountain. <laughs> they just starts fucking with his rope a little bit because he just he really wants to kill him. So good times. Then uh, the the one with the axe that you're thinking of, Brian, was Edge of the Axe. I watched that next yeah. from 1983. It's uh very very 1983 movie (laughs) a little bit more complicated plot wise um, because they had to write in a part where people are trying to solve the crime using computers because it's 1983 it's funny because it's like this one guy ends up like networking these two computers so that you can talk to the girl across town and they can play games online and stuff and I'm like those are all really good ideas in a much, much later movie. In 1983, no one was networking your computers across town. <laughs> and they dropped this like weird dialogue. Oh, I, could, I hooked us both up to the central mainframe. No, you didn't. You didn't hook yourself up to a central mainframe. It's 1983. <laughs> and they're like doing internet searches and stuff. And I'm like, you can't do that back then. It's not how it worked. <laughs> like, like maybe in a couple of universities around the world, you could hook up to some version of the internet and do a little bit of research but not in some guy's cabin in a small town in Northern California. You couldn't, <laughs> but certainly not in his girlfriend's bedroom in her parents' house above the family bar. Like that's not how it worked, but you know, yeah. again, kills were decent. 
there's a, a mystery element to this one. Do you like who could the killer be? And it's not very well done in my opinion. I didn't really like it, but mm-hmm. kills were okay. A lot of them are just like guys swinging an axe, but swings that axe real good, so that's all right. And that's uh, I mean that's it. It's there's not much more to it without getting into spoilers about the plot twists in the development of the mystery and the, who's a red herring and who's not. Because you kind of yeah. like figure out a few minutes in there, you're like, well, one of those two is the killer, and it's just which cheesy plot twist are they going with? It's, <laughs> I've got it narrowed down to two. So, right? And it's like, all right. Of course. And it's, you're, I don't know, as a, a seasoned slasher fan, you're just watching it going light. I can easily see the twist that could make that person the killer or that person the killer, and I'm just not quite sure which one they're going with yet. So, we'll wait and see. But, uh, yeah, I don't. I, it's hard for me to talk about slasher films because I'm like, oh, you should watch this one. But nobody likes slasher films as much as I do, so maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. If you're a huge slasher fan, you've probably maybe seen both of those. Um, yeah. Edge of the Axe has been on my list to watch yeah. for a while. It just—it's one I don't think I'd ever heard of until like I don't know, got recently got this Blu-ray release. You probably know which company put it out and what all the special features are and stuff. And so like I saw that and I just you know the poster art and stuff got my attention and I'm like that's one I need to see. So. Yeah. Well, they used to talk about it on Shockwaves every once in a while. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, but that that podcast is gone now. Is it? Yeah. That's upsetting. I'm surprised you haven't told us about leaving. You used to love that. Uh, well, one of them got me too really hard. So. Oh, really? And it was kind of the main guy. So That's he cool. pretty much disappeared. And then uh, Ryan, your buddy Ryan, who works at uh, Blumhouse now, is super busy. Yeah. So then the other two hosts started the new show called Colors of the Dark. And it's kind of a crazy... What kind of mind fuck crazy movies can they talk about? Okay. Yeah. Sad day. No comment. Even even a podcaster can get me too in today's day and age. Yeah. Well, he was working for Fangoria, and Fangoria got me too really bad. And Did then really? uh, I didn't even know that. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Well, I just guess I just wasn't paying attention. Which is sad. I guess everybody was, was so excited was, that Fangoria was back. Well, it is it it's back again. So, so it mainly goes to boils down to Cinestate, which owned the new Fangoria, and Cinestate was set up as a right leaning uh, movie studio because they felt like Hollywood wasn't making movies for douchebags. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um. Now, to be fair, they did put out movies like VFW and stuff, which I was kind of a big fan of. Um, and I think they were working with the uh, Dragged Across Concrete guy, Drag- Ball and Cell Block 99, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but apparently on one of their movies, they hired somebody who had a past of sexual uh, um, well, harassment and also assault. And he was like a producer and it kept happening. And they eventually someone finally like called him out on it. 
and sued the uh, company and the guy. And so all this stuff came out. And then it turns out the guy who owns Sin Estate, who was also working very heavily on Angoria, uh, was found to have tried everything in his power to cover it all up. So he pretty much got in big trouble. And then everybody quit from Fangoria who worked there because they're like, fuck this guy. And so they uh, basically said, do everybody a favor and sell Fangoria to another company. So it doesn't have to die, which he eventually ended up doing. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's a long way to say. That uh, and Fangoria just restarted up again under new ownership, so that's awesome. But it's a long way to say that uh, Rob, who was on Shockwaves, was working at Fangoria and quit, you know, out of solidarity. And then a bunch of girl women pointed out, "Oh, that's really funny, considering you did this, this, and this to me, <laughs> like sexually harassing and stuff." And then he's like, "Wait, what?" And then, yeah, he got taken down pretty hard. And so he pretty much disappeared off the internet. <sighs> Good times. Sorry. Continue. That's I don't, I don't even remember how I got to this point, but oh, Edge of the Axe. That's what it was. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know how to get back into it. Anyways, the next movie. I what watched. else did you watch, Doug? Uh, I rewatched The Crow again. I'm sure I've yeah. talked about The Crow before in this podcast. Ka ka bang, fuck I'm dead. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> uh, I don't know. The Crow. I need to rewatch. I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, I mean it. It holds up. It is what it is. It's just it's one of those comfort food movies for me. When I'm just like, I was having a bad day, so I literally like curled up under a blanket with a cup of tea and put on The Crow. <laughs> Made me feel better. <laughs> like that's just how it is. I don't. I don't ever have to rewatch that movie because I can just close my eyes and just yeah. replay the whole movie. Well, because it's such a visual movie. That's why. It's such a visually stunning movie. It's fascinating to watch it even now. Like, there's nothing else quite like it out there. I don't think. And, you know, the director has this like music video background, and he just he really applied that technique of filmmaking to this, and it's just that. I don't know. I just I really like it. It's it, the first it just has a thousand lines that are amazing too. Yeah, like every line. There's not that much dialogue in it, but it's like every line of dialogue is like feels like it was lifted from the page of a comic, right? You can't come back. This is the really real world. Yep. <laughs> and T Bird's dead, man. Somebody stuck knives in his organs in alphabetical order. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I showed my dad. I showed my dad that. I showed my dad that because I was like super into it. Because I mean, that came out when I was like fourteen. So I mean, that's like prime prime crow watching age. So I showed it to my dad, and the movie opens on Devil's Night, which is October thirty, which is my dad's birthday, and he's uh, like, "Devil's Night? What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> you know, you know what the worst part about rewatching that movie is? Brandon Lee was going to be the biggest fucking movie star. Yeah. 
It's so sad. <laughs> every time, every time I watch it, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. He was right there. That that was his movie. He was going to be the biggest movie star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. <sighs> and I always forget that Tony Todd's in that movie. Yeah, it always slips my mind and then you're like, oh yeah, right. Because he's not, it's weird because he's just one of the mixed guys. He doesn't, doesn't, I don't stand out until you, if you don't know who he is, I guess. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so you should watch uh, Cursed Films. They talk about the crow in it. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of depressing, obviously, but it's I just, uh, I felt bad after watching it because. The guy that played Fun Boy is the one who fired the gun that had the. Oh really? Ah, yeah. I didn't even know they knew. And he, uh, he like took it really personally. Like he felt horrible, obviously, like the rest of his life because I think he passed away in like 2014 or something like that. Um, and he just felt horrible and was so upset. And I'm like, I can imagine, even though I mean. There's a special effects guy, and they, on the episode they have him break down like what happened, and you're like, "Oh, that actually kind of makes sense," and you know, because the weird thing is, even though it's called cursed films, they kind of break down why people sometimes think stuff is cursed, but it's actually just a series of bad events that lead to a situation. You're not trying to tell me that curses don't exist, are you? Um, I'm yeah, just saying, open, open your mind. Right here. Open your mind. But there's a, there's a gun, like, uh, a person from, like, Hollywood that's, like, a gun guy. And he kind of breaks down, like, what happened. Because there's two types of blanks and, like, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it, it's, it literally is just... A horrible situation and yeah i prefer not to think about that yeah i just think he looks cool when he's running across oh totally i, I like mean you remember you remember whenever he dumps the tray of wedding rings into the shotgun and then yep. he shoots it into the shop and the shop explodes oh, oh, jesus christ so good uh, like have, have either of you guys read the original graphic novel i have is it are as many shots as I think are t- lifted straight from it. Like that shot of him firing the, the rings back at the guy, like that feels like it was lifted straight from the graphic novel. Um, I don't remember if that specific shot is in there. There is a shot of him going to the pawn shop, but I don't remember yeah. if the rings is part of it. I don't, I don't know. There's something about the way this movie shot that every now and again, I'm just like, that feels like it was lifted straight from the, the, the comic book. Like they knew that when they were making this shot kind of. Mm. And I, I, know, I just I find it mesmerizing. It's weird because like from a plot perspective, it's very very simple. Like it's almost just an action movie plot, basically, right? Yeah. And it's it's all about atmosphere and visuals and one-liners of dialogue that make this movie great. And the performances, quite frankly, I think it's tough for these guys to do. Like it's a very specific acting skill set to act in this type of a movie, and they all pull it off really well. Whereas and they completely cut a character out. It's weird. Yeah. Plus it has a Ghostbusters. Um, okay, yeah. Looks like the... Uh, at, le- <laughs> at least the... 
uh, the shot of him digging through the wedding rings is almost done shot for shot. And let's see if I can find another panel that has him shooting it. It's possible. I like how I'm making you do the research for my weird fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the crow. We'll find any excuse to stretch this conversation out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I love this movie so much. There was at least, I think, three Halloweens between seeing it at 14 and graduating from high school at 18. I dressed up as the crow for some sort of party or whatever. I, I I was getting ready to say, you guys remember when for five years every goth kid was the crow for Halloween? Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I was like the nerdy comic book guy, so nobody would really think about it, and I would show up at the school Halloween dance dressed up like the crow, and everybody's just like, who the fuck is this guy? And then all of a sudden, like, holy shit. Yeah, I got a black trench coat. You you think that's a big No, I literally literally had somebody when I was paying to get in. They're just like, holy fuck, dude, what the hell? Like, I like the crow. What can I say? Everybody was fucking dressed up like that forever. (laughs) Ironically, I wore like a long black trench coat every day for like five years and never dressed up as the crow. <laughs> and then Columbine happened and you felt really bad about it? No, I kept wearing it. Every now and again, I'd get comments. I'm like, oh, I don't care. I didn't do it. I wasn't even trying to look like the crow. I was trying to look like Axl Rose in the video for Don't Cry, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else did you watch? <laughs> yeah, we got past that fashion discussion. Uh, <laughs> last movie I watched was the one you tried to get me not to watch. I is- just said it would probably be hard to find, but apparently no. you're better than I am. By randomly checking the <laughs> the free streaming services that are already loaded on my Roku. That's, yeah. how, that's my extent of my research. But I watched uh, Unhinged, which we talked yeah. about last week. And yeah, it was really fucking good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like the sort of like the thrillers where it's just like the cat and mouse type game. And I like the, you know, big <clears throat> island stuff and they do an amazing job of combining the two in this. Like they just really, they really just do. I don't know, like, it's this is kind of like creepy, slow burn, slow burn, slow burn, and then just burst of violence, and you're like, holy shit, and then that just keeps happening over and over again. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. The combination was fantastic. And, of course, like, Russell Crowe's great in the role. I did not realize, like, just how big that guy's gotten. It was kind of weird seeing him. <laughs> like, oh, Russell Crowe's <laughs> a fat guy now. All right. But it suits the role perfectly. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There's, I found the ending to be a, uh, I don't know, a bit too movie-ish. There was one particular line of dialogue that made me cringe, and then they kind of, I don't know, minor spoiler that the ending was happier than I wanted it to be. So, um, mm. but I, but yeah, throughout the whole runtime of the movie, I was like kind of on the edge of my seat, waiting to see what happened next. Really enjoyed it. So it's it's a big recommend for people who like like. It's almost like for people who like thrillers, but also for people who like exploitation films. It works on both levels, which is hard to pull off. Yeah. So. 
Oh, yeah, I want to check it out. I just, kind of like you, I don't think I'm going to pay to check it out. I'll just wait till I get a chance to see it for free. No, there's there's so many, so much content out there now that I almost never pay to see a movie, to be honest. It's no. just, just kind of how it is because I'm like, there's, there's just so much available to me. It's like, there's got to be something on here I can watch. But I say it's also, apparently this one is, you know, everyone else is still paying for it. And, I'm getting it for free. So. Hoopla, by the way, if anybody's trying to find it, that's where I watched it. Mm. So, yeah, huge recommend. I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check it out at some point. And then, uh, after that, I don't have any other movies I watched. Continued watching Buffy. Um, yeah. I did, I made a mistake. I had like, oh. I was like, I had two drinks in me, and then I watched The Body. Oh, that was a bad Then idea. I was like, yeah. just sitting in my chair crying the whole time, like a freaking idiot, because <laughs> I'm crying over a TV show about vampires, but my god, that is such a good episode. It is yeah. just, it is, it's fascinating how good it is. It's just the way it's shot the way you really feel the pain of the characters, the way every character reacts exactly how you expect that character to would react if when you have time to stop and think about it, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like they yeah. all have a different reaction. It's not like one of those shows where I would think like most TV shows have a voice, but in this particular show, every character has their own voice and they all have the same natural reaction. Yeah. It's, there's just there's three or four moments where it's just like it grinds you to a halt and it's you're just like holy shit like the one one that always sticks out is the one where like Buffy's there with her mother's deceased body waiting for coroners to arrive and other people start to show up and she has to tell them not to touch the body and the first time she says you're not supposed to touch the body she kind of goes into a bit of a shock and then it cuts to commercial and you're just like fuck like it just hits you in a way like Joss Whedon is uh, controversial statement. Joss Whedon's really good at writing and directing episodes of television. Um, I know yeah. that's probably not something people have said before, but well, the idea to to leave it in real time from the moment she calls an ambulance until yeah. the ambulance gets there, like oh, that's you, fucked. Yeah, you can just you it really it just sinks in, and it's this weird thing where it's like you can't imagine what it would be like to go through that and to have them and they're just like and she's watching the people and she's trying to talk to them and they're like kind of ignoring her because they're busy doing their, their thing right trying to revive the body and stuff and it's like well shit it's it's the whole time you're just kind of like stuttering and I remember watching it for the first time and it's like this isn't how you kill off a character in a show like this this isn't what you do so I assume they're gonna there's gonna be some magic at the end of the episode and we're gonna see her wake up or no, they make it very clear that that's not going to happen. That this is the whole point of this episode is to remind you that this show takes place in the real world, that people can die, and to let all the characters know that when people die of you know natural causes, that's it, they're dead. All the all the magic, yeah. the vampires, and all that shit doesn't mean anything if you just die of a disease. That's just a yeah. thing that happens. Yeah, and I feel like that's important in a lot of stuff, like. Obviously, Whedon does it expertly in this, 
Yeah. Where it's just, unfortunately, sometimes it's something that just happens and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, one of the things I always loved about the original Superman is, you know, they're walking up the driveway and his dad has a heart attack and dies. And it's just like, he's Superman. You could do jack shit about it. Yeah. You know, no, not, uh, not stand there and die in a tornado for no reason at all. Like in Man of Steel. Jesus Christ. Fucking don't do that. <laughs> Try to be depressed about Buffy, not about DC movies. No, but so I was kind of thinking like with uh, Chadwick Boseman passing away, I'm hoping that they can find a way to sort of use that in the next Black Panther movie that sometimes like, you know, it just, it just happens and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. And I feel like it would be, yeah. be a good, like, it'd be a good moment in the movie sort of, uh, honors passing. And then just a good, like character thing where it's just like, yeah, we have all this technology and we couldn't it's just, sometimes you just can't, you just can't it just do happens. it. Yeah. yeah. It's just, so nobody is all powerful is what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. And I kind of like it when they, we're able to figure stuff like that out. Yeah. I, like, I agree with you. I've always liked that element of the original Superman, and I've always disliked the element of him, like, flying backwards through time or whatever exactly happens to him. Mean, yeah. Like, that's, I don't like that because it's the opposite of that, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, in the context of Buffy, too, it's really interesting that you have this discussion middle of season five about the concepts of death and natural death versus supernatural death and all that and we know as experienced Buffy watchers that this is all going to matter later on that there is a difference between a natural death and a supernatural death when it comes to figure out whether you can bring people back and stuff and that's all very interesting to me that they again just as a as a nerd who's watched the show a bunch of times, like, oh, look how early they started dropping the seeds to let us know how things work. Yeah. Because obviously, spoiler alert, you know, Buffy has already died once and, brought, and been brought back through typical means, and later she'll die through a supernatural death and get brought back through supernatural means. Yeah. It's, it's interesting <laughs> that she has to go through that on both it- levels. And then have the really depressing season six and the really depressing conversation where she tells Spike that she was in heaven and then they ripped her out of that and brought her back to earth. Yeah. It's like, oh, that sucks. The fucking idiots leave her in the grave and it doesn't occur to them that if she wakes up, she'll still be in the coffin. Yeah. <sighs> but I assume we'll have that to talk about next week when you hit season six. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Just so that we don't end this entirely on a downer, I also got to watch the scenes where they bring in the Buffy bot, which is real fun. Yeah. Buffy bot's awesome. If people don't know, there's a vampire that falls in love with the vampire slayer, so he has a robot of her maid so he can have sex with it. (laughs) (laughs) And we get some really fun, awkward scenes of the two of them on screen together. And Sarah Michelle Gellar, it turns out, great actress who can really play these two different characters in the same moment. Uh, Puffy bot. It's funny too because it's like she's now the third of the 
like of the big four that have been in the show from the beginning, she's the third one to have a double on screen now. <laughs> nice. So you know, but uh, yeah, that's it for me. That's all I had time to watch this week. Um, I watched two movies, and they're both related. Um, uh, decided to finally check out uh, Unfriended because I had heard it was actually halfway decent. Uh, which I will agree with. I thought it was pretty good. Um, so a bunch of, uh, high school kids bully this girl. Essentially she gets caught on video being super drunk and apparently passed out and shits her pants. So <laughs> I feel uh, her pain. Yeah. So of course some, well, she's wearing like short shorts, so it's very obvious what happened. Ooh. And uh, she's passed out, and they video her, and then anonymously post it on the internet. And all this is before the movie even starts, but it comes up later. Um, and she's so upset that she kills herself. So uh, all these kids are hopping on Skype to, I don't know, apparently kids get on Skype just to chat with each other. I don't, I don't know what you do with Skype besides podcast with it, but sure. Um, and while they're on Skype, someone pops into their group and nobody knows who it is. Cause it's just like a blank profile picture. And, uh, eventually find out it's sort of the ghost of this girl coming back to get revenge on all of them. And basically it tells everybody, if you log off, everybody will die. So thus giving them a reason to kind of stay on the call. And then one by one, they all start end up. Uh, some of them appear to kill themselves, but there's other weird sort of machinations going on during all this. Um, I thought it was really well done. First, like five minutes. I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm basically just watching a Skype call and this is kind of annoying, but I feel like it, uh, once the pace starts kind of going, I feel like it picks up and it's done pretty well. So I ended up thoroughly enjoying it. And then I'd heard the sequel unfriended dark web was, uh, even better. So it's like, I ain't got shit to do. So I just started that one right up. Uh, Sort of a similar situation where a bunch of bunch of people are hopping on Skype real quick. Apparently, they're supposed to have a game night, but like people are running late or whatever. I don't know why they they're hopping on Skype or whatever. But there's plot points for why they're all like twenty somethings, and then uh, we find out that one of them has a really shitty laptop, and there was a laptop at his job because he works at like a internet cafe which apparently is still a thing um are you sure there's still a thing well in this movie it is okay and so he takes this laptop that's been sitting like in the lost and found for three weeks or something and then it turns out there's a bunch of shit on this that relates to uh, a group of people going by the name of the circle that apparently abduct young women and then torture them based on how people vote through the dark web. Um, this one is not supernatural. 
So they just find like all these videos and all this other shit. And then somebody starts contacting them. Like you have my laptop. I want it back. And then, you know, providing proof that they can, uh, they can get close to one of them if they need to. And of course, slowly they start getting killed off one by one. Um, it was okay, but I think I prefer the supernatural aspect of the first one. Um, there's some interesting parts in the second one, but it is a little too, uh, it's almost like hostile, but on the internet makes any sense. So I don't know. I guess it would depend on what your preference is as far as movies like that. So still, it was still good. I just feel like the first one was better. But. It's weird that they went so different with them. Yeah, I was reading some of the trivia, and apparently they were supposed to. Uh, it was supposed to be a follow-up where the the killer ghost or whatever from the first one was continuing her rampage to get revenge on some of her old classmates, but with this one instead. Um, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I watched, which I was going to bring up, is I've been watching this docu documentary series on Showtime called The Reagans, about Ronald Reagan's climb oh. to uh, being president. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's insane. They kind of go through his political career. But there was one thing on this last episode, because, I mean, you know, he was a Hollywood actor. Uh, him and his wife lived in Beverly Hills. So, you know, they had a pretty good uh, connection to the common people. Yeah. Um, so he's running for president against Jimmy Carter. And apparently Jimmy Carter, for, you know, his previous run, had went down to the Bronx in this really, like, falling apart neighborhood and had promised all these people, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make change. I'm going to, you know, fix up your neighborhood. Like, you know, all these great things are going to happen when I become president. And of course, nothing happened. Like the neighborhood is still just as run down as ever. And so Reagan's bright idea was I'm going to go into the same neighborhood and do a speech about how like, see Jimmy Carter failed you and all this stuff. And it was a horrible idea for him to do that. Because they pull up in this neighborhood and he gets out and his, Nancy gets out and people are like crowding around, just be like, help us, you know, all this stuff. And Nancy looks like she is seeing an alien just walk out of a spaceship. She literally has no connection to these people whatsoever. Her eyes are like, you know, huge. She's just looking around like, what the fuck is this place? Who are these people? How do people live like this? And so then Reagan's trying, trying to like give this speech and people are like booing him and yelling over top of him. And they're like, well, what are you going to do for us? And he starts yelling at them. Like, I'm trying to tell you what I'm going to do for you. And then basically just tells them, Oh, well, my, the point I was going to make by coming here is that no government can help you, obviously. So I'm not going to promise to do anything. Yeah. That was it. They listen. You're not going to help us. And then he's like, 
and then they got back in the car and left. And apparently that was the only time they tried to stunt like this. Like, the video of it is just insane. I don't know how he thought this was a good idea. It's just obvious that they don't understand what real life is for normal people. Yeah, well. <sighs> turns out it but it's doesn't matter because he had a bit of a folksy accent. So. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and that uh, his wife ran pretty much most of his administration for him so yeah. we're just getting into his uh presidential stuff all so far Listen, i think this is the he made one good joke at one debate and then was able to uh destroy the entire american economic system <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um i think that, was this the second episode or third episode i think this was the third episode previous episode was about him being governor of california and like all this stuff so it's just like, you know, I think I was like eight when he left office. So I don't, I don't remember a whole lot of, um, uh, like what it was like with him as president. So I was kind of curious to, uh, check out this, this series or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's been interesting so far. So, but yeah, just the visual of him going to this neighborhood. I mean, it's literally like we did that movie. Was it Rumble in the Bronx or whatever? And it's like everything run down, just piles of bricks everywhere. It literally was that. Like they, it, they did not do a whole lot of uh, set dressing when they made that movie. So it's just, uh, it was just insane. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, All right. Well, Noah, since you're finally back, we decided to let you pick some movies. Yeah. What are we going to watch next week? Uh, We're going to watch Jim Cotta, the movie filled with gymnastic skills and karate kills. And then uh, (laughs) Never Too Young to Die, which I have no idea what that is, but it doesn't matter because it was paired with Jim Cotta. Uh, well, I know it's a movie with John, St- a young John Stamos. Ooh, John yeah, Stamos. I googled it, and uh, I'm just like, that's all I know too. So, who put it on the list if nobody knows what it is? I don't know. I guarantee Ooh. you, Jim Cotta was sitting there, and somebody needed to pair it up with something. <laughs> like, I don't. I want to say that I didn't do it, but maybe I did, and I don't know why. If you at least go to the IMDb for Jim Cotta, does Never Too Young to Die show up as one of these movies like this? At least that would explain it. Oh. Um, let's see, where is this movie? <laughs> 1990? Nope. Oh, this one's got Brad Pitt and Julia Lewis. John Stamos. Let's look it up this way. A spy's son. John Stamos inherits a case uh, inherits the case of heavy metal he she Gene Simmons uh, out to foul city water with a floppy disk oh here it is I figured it out Uh, uh, a top secret agent is murdered so his estranged son a high school gymnast teams Uh. up teams up with his dad's attractive 
active female partner to stop a psychopathic hermaphroditic gang leader who killed him and now plans a major terrorist attack. So, uh, Robert so, England is in this movie, apparently. Are you trying to tell me John Stamos is going to fight hermaphrodite in this movie? That's what we've just got ourselves set up for. Uh, hermaphroditic Gene Simmons, I believe. Yes. Also, just regular Gene Simmons, then. And George Lazenby? Fucking James Bond is in this movie? What the hell? Robert England put a real movie on the list. Apparently, Robert England, like he said, crazy. I mean, none of it matters because we get to watch Jim Cotta. <laughs> I have not seen Jim Cotta. It's like maybe late '80s, early '90s. Last time I saw it, and I still have visuals in my head from it. I bet you that. I bet you I'm going to enjoy it. That's my theory, based on the visuals I remember. Yeah, do I've you do you enjoy gymnastic skills and or karate kills? <laughs> it's hard to say whether I know gymnastic if I would even recognize gymnastic skills. When he's running through, is he running through like an evil like Eastern European village at one point, and there's like a training horse in the middle of the street that he gets to swing around on and kick people? Like one of those gymnastic horse things. Pommel horse. Yeah. I think that happens in this movie. Mm. Well, for sure, by next week. <laughs> All that matters is that it has the greatest fucking tagline ever put on a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I figured it out. George Lazenby, former James Bond, plays the dead secret agent. Okay, so plays John John Stamos's dad. Yeah, definitely playing playing uh, uh, playing with type apparently. <laughs> Oh, this is back when John Stamos had the mullet, too. 1986. It's going to be good. See, I think I'm more excited about this, but I'm sure Jim Cotta's fine. It's going to be a fun week. <laughs> the, movie was in t- <laughs> the movie was intended as the starting point for a Son of Bond-type franchise. It not only flopped at the box office, but was shunned by co-star Gene Simmons. Years later, a fan recognized him as Velvet Von Ragnar, and Simmons exclaimed, Don't tell me you saw that thing! <laughs> I love it. Uh, man, a movie so bad that Gene Simmons won't even chill himself for it. Well, let's All be right. honest, though. If he, th- if he thought he was going to make more money by embracing the film, he would. Yeah, you know what's, yeah that's probably you know true. what's funny? It's royally fucked that I'm both excited to see this movie because Gene Simmons was in the movie and because Gene Simmons is unhappy that he was in the movie. It actually makes me more happy to know that he doesn't like the movie. I hope that it's because there's something in the movie that just openly mocks Gene Simmons. I want there to be some really... I mean, I guess he is already playing a hermaphrodite. We already know that much. (laughs) I want there to be something that... uh, it's really embarrassing, though. Oh, see, we should have teamed this up with Runaway, Tom Selleck. Mm. That's all right. John Stamos is, uh, or uh, Jim Cotta will be fine. I was, I was getting ready to say, I think we're all getting very distracted by hermaphroditic Gene Simmons and forgetting that we get to watch Jim Cotta one of the best movies ever made. (laughs) Hey, we're responsible podcasters and we are obligated to watch both and enjoy both. (laughs) 
I don't know about enjoy both. That's not really part of this podcast. No, it's actually rare, to be honest. <laughs> for for those of you playing the home game, if you've never seen Jim Cotta, I highly recommend that you see Jim Cotta before the next episode drops. Well, I don't think we're going to there... ruin the plot points or anything if they, they want to wait and hear our thoughts on it first. Is there a uh, is there a quick way for you to come up with a drinking game to watch along with Jim Connor? Uh, I don't know. Every time he uses gymnastics, take a drink or something. <laughs> to, to do a shot every time there are gymnastic skills or karate kills. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, See, so, you know, people are at home are going to be like, wait, was that a karate kill or was that just a regular kill? <laughs> wait, I think that counts as both double shots. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll probably stop it somewhere in there. You know what the funniest thing is? I typed in Jim Cotta and then D, and the first thing that popped up was Jim Cotta drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Well, is there a good one? What's it say? I'm pulling it up. 151 proof movies. Jim Cotta drinking game. Uh, let's see here. Cut of points. It's a gymnastic action movie. So take a drink for every time someone does a flip, a handstand, or <laughs> other forms of moves that you see. That doesn't make fucking... That sentence is weird. Uh... <laughs> Get off that high horse when that scene happens. Finish your drink. <laughs> Perfect score. Whenever characters mention the games, take a drink. Uh, if there's gymnastics and there's flips, but there's also ninjas. <laughs> God damn it. Anytime you see a ninja, take a drink. For every new challenge or trial that is introduced, take a drink. That is poorly written, but it sounds fun. Sounds like you're going to get fucked up. Depends on how many ninjas are in the movie. <laughs> the answer, uh, the is, answer is always not enough. The, the answer is quite a few. There are quite a few ninjas. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.